not know what a flashlight is. Um, I didn't ever know what it was. The reason I think I learned from you guys, and I had just <laughs> temporarily forgotten. I learned it from watching you. Welcome to Maybe Geek Again, a podcast where we cover sci-fi TV shows through the lens of philosophy and dick jokes. My name is Joe, and I'm joined by my battle-ready co-hosts, Bubs, and special guest this week, Cece. Hello. Hello. Hey, guys. Um, You can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes. We also love fan feedback, so feel free to come yell at us on Twitter at MayWeGeekAgain or at MayWeGeekAgain at gmail.com. And of course, we will always post the episodes to Reddit in case you enjoy long-form threaded discussion. Um, This will be episode 84 of our podcast. We're going to be talking about The 100, season 7, episode 3. It was 3, right? Yes. Yes. All right, um, before we get into the pod intros and our icebreakers, I just wanted to take a moment to call attention to the protests against against police brutality and systemic racism in this country and the wonderful activism Black Lives Matter and their allies have been conducting here and around the world. If you would like to help, there are tons of resources online that can point you in the direction, whether it's showing up to protest, volunteering, supporting Black-owned businesses, or even just how to donate via revenue by watching YouTube channels. Like, if you don't have any money... If you can't get out there, like, this is something passive that you could do, you know, at your house, learn something and contribute that way. Um, This is by no means an exhaustive list, but definitely check out Black Lives Matters with an S on the end, dot C-A-R-R-D dot C-O. And uh, that that little website is um, updated pretty regularly. Um, You can also, you know, obviously go on Twitter, Reddit, um, you know, Instagram, like, things are everywhere. Um, But, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't, you know, at least mention it um, before we got into the podcast, since it is a very big and serious and important issue um, happening right now. Uh, All right. Well, now that now that 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 was very serious. um, Great to have you guys here. Uh, We usually start off uh, giving a little bit of information about ourselves and a quick icebreaker game. This week's icebreaker game is actually brought to you by Bubs. Um, Can you give the icebreaker and maybe go first, Bubs? Yes, hello. Today we we will be discussing, do we think Jordan created sex toys in space? And if we do, what do we think he used based on what was at his at his disposal on the Elijah ship? <laughs> and I you know what? I love making things. Um so this particularly was like really fun to think about. Like did he find like a hose and like wrap it tightly and then just kind of like mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. in and out in and out or did mm-hmm. he um decide to go a different route? You know, maybe a, a spout he could repurpose for fun stuff. <laughs> you know. <laughs> So, so the answer to your question, to your own question, is yes. Yes, obviously. I mean, 27 years. I mean, there has to be something more exciting than your own hand. <laughs> I mean, I guess, but on the other hand, like, did the Allegis ship, much like, you know, the Ark, did they have an archive of media? Like, was mm. pornography available to him? Did he, like, I mean, hopefully Monty and Harper explained, you know, the birds and the bees and whatnot, but, like, who... Were there pictures? Was there, like, what was Jordan's mental state 
at the time? You know, like how is it is it like some, you know, those homeschooled kids or whatever, somebody who was raised <laughs> in like a super fundy religion who like does not even, you know, know about those sorts of things or, you know, have the inclination to, you know, have a go-getter attitude about those types of things. Um yeah, or do they wear like adult underwear because they think they're wetting the bed, but it's not really wetting the bed. Right, exactly. <laughs> so I, I, I just, I, I don't know how to answer that question. Um, Jordan doesn't s- strike me as particularly crafty, um, both mm-hmm. um, in terms of producing items and also kind of s- smartness, I'm sorry to say. Like, we'll get into that <laughs> in terms of the episode. Like, I have... But his dad was. Do you think he lent know, him a hand? And like, why did I phrase it that way? Is Jordan a dud? Like, well, he's sciency. Like we saw that a little bit in the end of season five. So book smarts, end. but not street smarts. Um, not sheet smarts. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Cece, would you like to answer our icebreaker question before we go down a pornography <laughs> rabbit hole? Um, I don't really, I don't really think it's keeping with Jordan's character arc to conclude he was successful at anything. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, burn. I'm actually, I'm going to change, change the adjective for my blank co-host to savage. (laughs) So I'm just going to assume that he was like using his hand without lubrication for like 27 years. Oh, just, just ruining all of it. Just, wow. <laughs> Bubs, you have a lot of optimism. I was kind of mixed, and Cece just, uh, just brutal. Oh my god. Well, um, cool. I guess you guys ready to get into the episode? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So today, as mentioned, we are talking about season seven, episode three called False Gods. Um, directed by Tim Scanlon and written by veteran 100 writer uh, Kim Shumway. Um, we're back in Sanctum. Stuff happens. Stuff doesn't happen. That's really kind of my summary for this episode. Um, yep. What do you guys think? Overall takes. Um, Cece, you are our special guest. How about, how about you go first? Um... <laughs> I I don't think the week that this episode aired um, in what's going on in our country did it any favors. Um, That's fair. Um, <laughs> and I and I see that as you know I used to I used to love and be so engaged with the political allegory in the show that I would just like write about it for fun. Um, and did a couple of pieces for Hypable about how it explored like a lot of not not just like actual historical allegory like it did in season one and season two, um, but also like in season four, how it was playing with this whole idea, like what do leaders let the public know? What do they withhold to manipulate public opinion? But I think if you think back for like the last couple seasons and you look at how they portrayed people, right? The masses. Mm-hmm. Um, the show has just become, it, it's not just that it's cynical, right? I mean, you can definitely have that worldview, right? But but you can't be sitting in the United States for the last couple months or, you know, at least with respect even to the pandemic in many other countries and not, 
and and not acknowledge that yes human beings are selfish and often make stupid decisions but human beings can also be heroic and step up to a moment and so this is an episode about a crisis and the show as it has for the last several seasons portrays the masses as these like raging idiots and it is only the few that are rational mm-hmm. and and can save the day and you can't even right it's just every episode it's just i don't even know if are they using the same extras and just dressing them up like in different outfits depending on their like faction well, it's it's like the exact same sort of crowd there's like rabble 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 and then someone's like death to primes and that's it and you're like are we really just do none of you guys have anything better to do like don't you have to like farm or is just everyone unemployed in sanctum well, it, it's it's what's interesting is that I don't think the show realizes how anti-democratic it's become. <laughs> I mean, truly, because if we are, if people are always in all circumstances and in all crises, a stupid mass of screaming people, yeah. <laughs> then like, and that is what that is what the public, no matter the faction, whether it was the grounders, you know, or one crew in this episode. Or you have the different sanctum factions. Everyone is just a mass of screaming, stupid people that can't even get their shit together when, like, a nuclear meltdown is going to, like, risk, like, everybody on the planet. And that's just, like, you know, as we are watching, like, people protesting in the streets and putting their lives on the line, not only in terms of bodily harm and facing arrest and et cetera, but during a pandemic – it just doesn't do the this overly simplistic and shallow depiction of humanity any favors this week. I mean, and nor does it, I, I mean, Joe, to go to your point, what this is imitating, um, even the historical event that it that it's basically lifted this plot off of. I mean, just to go sort of to your big Yeah, are we, are we talking today. Chernobyl now? Yes. Yeah, and, and the way that they specifically had a very important scene in convincing like a group of engineers that they needed volunteers and you're going to die. Like that's it. Like this is a death sentence, but you will be saving millions of people. You will be saving the world. And they did it. Right. And they fucking did it. Right. And that story has all of the things that the hundred used to do. Right. Think back to the culling Mm -hmm. and you had the government lying and then people find out the truth and they rise to the occasion and they self-sacrifice or the dissidents in Mount Weather. You have a government that is, you know, uh, uh, horrific. But and some people go along with it. Absolutely. I'm not saying that that's not part of sort of a picture of humanity, but other people dissent. Right. And lose their lives. The the historic event that they are have lifted the plot from here in Chernobyl. Yes, you had a, a government that lied and and, mm-hmm. and lives were lost because of it. But you also had people, Joe, as you just said, who like stepped up and sacrificed themselves and saved millions. So it, it's just so it's not just that, as we've said, maybe or at least as I've said for a while, that the hundred has a really ugly view of humanity. It's also that it's shallow and incomplete. And all you have to do is flip off the hundred and turn on the news and and come to that. Like, that's all you need to see. Yeah. I, I mean, I wonder in, in explaining that, like, I wonder how much this shift 
to uh, viewing humanity as an angry mob with only a few people who know what's up and can do anything um, smart um, is correlating to fans being upset with the writers and thinking that they know better and the writers thinking that, no, they know exactly right. And yeah, Yeah. (laughs) turning the fans into an angry mob. Yeah, I mean, it's like depicting humanity as if we all are just the comments section on the internet. Yeah, which, and again, if- never read the comments because you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not I'm not saying the show used to depict all sides Nuance. of it. Yeah, exactly, right? And there, there were political conflicts. Sometimes leaders told you the truth. Sometimes they lied. Sometimes people rise to the moment. Sometimes they don't. That's humanity for, for all that is good and all that is terrible. Mm-hmm. And the show has now reduced us. You know, we're all just screaming idiots that can't even grasp a situation that's life or death for everyone. And you just have the elite few who, you know, can figure it out and lie to the rest of us. And it's just like, honestly, I was kind of sickened by that whole message in this episode. I, I, it's a fair criticism. Um, I will say that for my part, like the politics and stuff was never kind of my big thing. But, you know, at the same time, like there's only so many times we can like, you know, and now back to being in the courtyard of the palace and it's just like, you know, crowd noises with occasional like shouts above above everyone else's voice, you know, uh, uh, above the din, you know, death to primes or whatever, you know, like long live Russell Prime or whatever the fuck they're saying. <laughs> and you're just kind of like, hey, I mean, we've talked about this on, on previous episodes. Holy crap, I don't care about the Sanctum story. But B, like, you're not even doing it with any kind of like finesse. Like there's no like, we don't have those moral gray areas that we used to. Right. Where, you know, I, I, if I did care magically about this storyline, like make me care that there are people who are upset with Russell Prime still being alive, like the children of Gabriel or whatever. Like, why are we still so hell bent on this? You've made it inside the ring. Like, what now? What, mm-hmm. what are we doing? And, you know, are are they trying to like, show us some other sort of like level of conflict where like people are blinded by their hatred of the other and can't quite figure it out. And, but like, again, I'm just not getting that kind of read on, there's not that nuance behind mm-hmm. it in my opinion. Shape. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's anyway. just really, yeah, it's just really shallow. And, and you just, can, just compare, just compare what they, what is on screen in this season compared to prior seasons of the show. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. We used to do nuance. We used to do gray you know that would make us all scream at each other debating it right because it was it was complex now it's just it's shallow and it's like i don't care everybody's just a screaming mass of people like (laughs) like they haven't they haven't given us any reason to sort of be on the side of the believers like Mm -hmm. the only thing that we're seeing is that like they're easy, easily manipulated. They cling to their, you know, quote unquote, false gods, despite all evidence. Like at that point, you know, not to be whatever in terms of our modern political society, but, you know, no matter how many times this group has been shown that their god leader um, is a fraud, they don't give it up. And is that what they're trying to show us? Like, is that... I... I I could see that an argument could be made for that. But again, it lacks the sort of finesse to like really land at home. Cause instead I'm just like, well, these people are fucking idiots. And like, I, uh, I, yeah. 
Yeah. Like on paper, Joe, that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> but but that but the new uh, you know, I mean yeah. we're just yeah. Um what about you, Bubs? What do you what, um, what were your thoughts on this episode? I mean, I agree so wholeheartedly with both the things you guys are bringing up. Um, I guess, like, for me, if I had to say something positive, is that I like that they're clearly trying to do more, like, slower, more character-driven moments um, and to inject more heart into the show. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is that that's what it is, an attempt. I don't think that it was all that except. Um, successful outside of a few scenes, uh, mostly, you know, with Raven and Murphy and Amori, and especially Murphy and Amori. Um, but the rest of it, yeah, it, it just, a lot of it just feels so shallow, so checking off boxes on what the plot is supposed to be for the episode, um, going through the motions. It's just, it kind of is just lacking a lot of soul. And I don't, I don't know why. Like, I mean, there's a lot of things I could say, but, like, I don't know exactly what mechanism um, is most directly at fault for this. I mean, if I could point to two things. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd um, love to hear it. I, I mean, the example that you just gave, Raven, Murphy, and Amori, the reason why that works is because they have a long character history together. And we care. Right. Um, And with respect to like, why, why did the nuance used to work and why does it feel it's because there's so many different new groups and we don't, you know, we, I, I, I mean, they're bringing in like all of these like red shirts for these different factions, right. That we've never seen before. Um, And they used to, I mean, if you think about it, like if you think about the episode with the calling, they brought that dad in in one episode and had a sobbing by the end of it, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily that. It's that the people are who are the leaders aren't having really um, in-depth debates about what's right and wrong really anymore. Mm-hmm. And you don't see people are – it's just like <laughs> – <laughs> you know well, like so- it's a perfect example is when they're t- when when you know it's it's uh indra and and clark and raven and amori and murphy and they're deciding you know who's gonna go do this or whatever and there's that moment you know where like what is it indra basically just tells clark that like she can't go and volunteer to do a thing because she's too you know she has too much to do with what you know uh, an execution on her hands her day kind planner of like, is still too right cool. and you're just kind of like that what like i mean it's <laughs> Right. Right. What? Yeah. Same. I mean, compa- compare that to the season one argument between Jaha, Kane, and Abby. Right. About whether the people should know about losing the oxygen or not, or you should kill people in their sleep. Right? That was a well, real was debate. Like, well, it was just like a shit way to be like, no, Clark, you can't go because you're too busy. Like, you're too busy. You got to kill a guy. And it's just kind of like, well, there are any other number of reasons that she should not do it. Um, <laughs> the fact that, you know, if it goes badly, Maddie would, you know, be a- an orphan again or, you know, whatever the fuck. Like, there, there are bajillion reasons that it could have been debated. But instead, it's like, sorry, you're too busy. You have to go kill a guy. And how is that more important than this little world melting down again. See, like somebody could have come into that scene and been like, Clark, Maddie's looking for you. And everyone could have had that moment where they're like, right, Clark has Maddie. Right. And then somebody could have been like, well, like Amori could have said like, we'll, we'll go. 
And then right, exactly. that's the agree. That's it. Like, no, because like you're thinking an execution, literally an execution. Are you seriously like, go fucking put that on pause. Everyone's going to die. If this nuclear thing melts down, clearly that is our priority. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. So I think that this actually works as well. No, I don't know if it works as a good lead in which, which half of the story do you guys want to talk about first? Uh, the nukes or the Russell storyline, I guess is what we could call it. Let's do nukes first. I think we're, that's more of a better lead in, right? Yeah, sure. Um, so, so yeah, we got some red shirts this episode. Um, and then, and then sort of a, a named, not quite red shirt, you know, uh, some guy that we kind of knew who meets a tragic end, but he was heroic about it. Um, yeah, let's let's talk about about this uh, about Chernobyl, I guess. Um. <laughs> the Chernobyl fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> it did feel like Chernobyl fanfic. It was Chernobyl fanfic because it's the same storyline, not not quite as good necessarily, but everyone is hotter. Yeah, <laughs> and it's yeah. like you took you took the opener of like every teen horror movie where like the couples making out right before disaster strikes, yes. <laughs> and you're like mashing that up with a nuclear meltdown, right? Like, ah. Uh. Uh, I mean, they did that in season one with like um, the couple that died in the uh, the mustard fog because yeah. they were out trying to like fuck in the woods, <laughs> right? Uh. But I mean, that felt like it was like uh, this. Just like, look, if you're gonna do an episode, maybe they just shouldn't have picked something that just won all the Emmys and Golden Globes and television. Kind of like I was honestly <laughs> rooting for the reactor. I was like, let's. Let's wipe it out. Like, is right. that where the storyline is going? Where they're like, fuck, I guess we got to jump into the anomaly. And then like, oh. that's how we move it along. Oh, my God. Then that, that would have been the best episode ever. If Nuclear Meltdown got rid of the Sanctum story, then this would uh, be Right? And then, like, episode. all of our faves jump through the portal. And lo, we're at Creepy Cabin. Like, come on. Like, yeah. And then they could have someone being like, um, why are you guys here? How'd you get here? They're like, oh, you know, Sanctum melt- melted down. They're like, again? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, see, we've already that. written it. We've already written the the, the, the fanfic of the fanfic. Yeah. Um, so let's see. What should we talk about with this? Um, do you guys... Let's talk about Raven. I feel like Raven is finally back to Ravening-ish. Um, she has a storyline that doesn't revolve around some dude. So, hey. That's, yeah. That's yeah. fun. <laughs> um Yeah. Uh, you have all... You have a nice little Battlestar uh, reference there, Bubs. Do you want to... Oh, yes. Um, so, you know, Battlestar's big thing was all this has happened before and will happen again. And um, one of my frustrations, especially in the last two seasons, has been that, or three, um, the show kind of sometimes chooses or just decides what a character's arc is going to be. And I don't think they give enough thought to, like, the character's, like, preceding story um, to think, like, well, maybe we've kind of touched on this before. Maybe we should build upon what we've already touched upon. So we have this whole arc for Raven that's her coming to understand what it's like to be characters like Clark and Bellamy and everyone else who's had to make decisions that are quote-unquote gray. Um, and and really, this is something that we already did in season four. Um, or, yeah, season four where Raven had a bigger role. Like she had to calculate um, how to ration things, how many people could stay in um, in the arc that they were 
fortifying. You know, she had all these things that were already like making hard decisions that equated to lives lost in order to preserve as many lives as they could. Um, so those are decisions that Clark makes. And they made a point, especially like in the lead up interviews, Jason talked about so much about how Raven was finally going to understand Clark. So it was just like such a deja vu that leading into the season that we started to get those conversations again. So so now we have like Raven is finally learning to be gray. And so it's not even just about season four. If we think about like Raven as a character and the things that she's done before, um, does anybody recall when she electrocuted Lincoln to yeah, get information? Raven's been gray for like a long time. She was just super self-righteous the whole time. Exactly. Like, that's the thing. Like, it's not like she like suddenly was like, oh, look, these are hard choices. No, she's made hard choices. It's just the first time that she's felt like shit about it because she didn't have Clark there or Bellamy or whoever the fuck to be like, I did this for you. It was your idea. I, I carried it out. Exactly. And so that should have been the story. Raven coming to terms with like she's been on cloud fucking nine and she put herself there because she couldn't deal with it. And now she needs to go back and look at her life choices and accept who she is. That's the story that we should be telling. Not, you know, Raven was perfect. And now guess what? She had to deal with something and boohoo. And like, I, yeah, yeah. no, I'm just thinking like all of the examples, like she, right. She tortured Lincoln. She blew up the bridge. She, she was blew the up the grounders. She like she made designed the, right the mechanism she for the rocket ship. Yeah, <laughs> she she was the one who like even at the risk of like going to war, like slipped Clark the knife and was like, "Go kill Lexa." Right? Like Graven has always been gray. It's she your tried point. to give up Murphy to the grounders in turn in in right. Finn. <laughs> right. So yeah. So calling her out on it, absolutely right. But but. But the, but the episode, it's almost like it has amnesia about what her character arc was at the beginning, like for the first two seasons of the show. Like, yeah. it would have been fine if Murphy had said something to the effect of like, not welcome to the world of gray, but like, welcome to accepting the gray, you know, like, mm-hmm. like, she's been living in it. We all know it. Murphy lives there. Clark lives there. All of them fucking live there. That's what made this show really good and what we could debate about it but like to say that she is suddenly like oh no you know i've 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 done something morally questionable no she bitch has been doing that this whole fucking time the whole point was that she was sanctimonious about it right exactly and i think if anyone read selena's review and everyone should because it's so good um she really goes into that and really Mm -hmm. what raven raven's journey has been and where we should be now with that character Right. That was a, it was an excellent review. It was excellent. Yeah. Um, all right. So Raven. Oh, d- based on her review, did you guys find the moment where Raven sort of knew that they were all going to die? Yes, but I didn't think it was as cut and dry. So I thought that it was when um, when the guy she's like looking at the computers in what's his name hatch is like it's safe right or something like that or how are the levels and she's Mm -hmm. like it's fine it's good and so they go in and then um amori's like you lied to them so i like i guess that's when she knew but then i was like could she have known sooner and she might i don't know i don't think it was as cut and dry as selena said yeah Or, or at least i didn't notice it maybe i'm just like a dummy and i didn't pick up on it despite watching it four times Speaking of, and this is jumping around, speaking of not picking up on something, I didn't want to jump ahead to, um, I, I didn't want to overlook your thruple vibes 
um, feeling because you put it all caps in the notes. And so, you know, since we are talking about Raven Amori and Murphy, I'd I'd be remiss if I didn't if I didn't allow you space. Uh, Well, so I know that um, early in season five, people were really getting like Raven Murphy vibes. And even like one of the scripts talks about how. Um, Raven kisses Murphy on the cheek and that didn't make it to the screen, but it was in one of the scripts that they released. So, um, there's, there's a lot of people who are like all about Murphy and Raven. And I wasn't one of those people. I love Amori and Murphy, despite the weirdness of season five that I just pretend didn't happen. Um, (laughs) I, I, I do really like them. I like their journey together, um, as little cockroaches that kind of keep each other going in the right direction almost. Um, and so I was, it was not like anti Murphy and Raven, but it just, it wasn't like my thing. Um, but like in this episode, I'm like, you know what? Then as a three together would actually like be wonderful. <laughs> um, like when she interrupts them, um, I, I was like, well, there's, there's kind of a little bit of chemistry going. Like, why don't they just like invite her in? <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know. I, mean, I think it could work. She's got a habit on bar- of barging in on people while they're in bed. So I right. feel like at some point, you know, the porn music just has to start in the background and then, <laughs> and then it's on. I think that that's really one of the only scenes that I truly enjoyed. <laughs> and I was like, in this episode or? In this episode. Yeah, I, she I, I, on them. I, I was like, I just want to hang out with them in the castle. And it's like, supposedly burned. Well, yeah, also that I was laughing. I was like, which part of the half burn structure are they in with, the, with, with like the West Elm throw pillows? But, okay. <laughs> I have a conver- I have like a whole thing about this later that we'll get into, but right. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I think it, I think it could work. And like, you think about like Raven is the only one that didn't have someone in space. Like, did she say stink single because she and Bellamy didn't decided not to go there or did she stay single because like her Murphy and Amori sort of were like you know circling around the possibility (laughs) keeping their (laughs) options open together (laughs) I mean I I don't hate it I definitely don't hate it um and it would be nice for Raven to get somebody who's not based what what is essentially a glorified red shirt because that's pretty much all she's had so far Exactly. Uh, minus Finn, but even that is oh, questionable. Uh, it's not a great look. Um, all right, sorry, I'm, I'm I'm trying to see what what everyone wrote. I didn't want to um, mm-hmm. over overrule anyone. Um, how is Murphy Amori's moral compass? That seems yeah. to be a big a big thing. Uh, sorry, sorry, I'm like jumping around. Did we have anything else on Raven at present? Oh, the beating. What? Like. I, so, honestly, my husband Oh, sorry, started, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Let's my go hus- let's go with the bat. My husband started laughing at that scene. <gasps> Do you know why? why? Not not the beating, but the like over the top like screaming. He was like, "This is like a was it was it ever this bad? It wasn't, right? Like, it's a posit. I'm, I mean, like, not her being beaten. That was awful. The over-the-top mm-hmm. melodrama, like, melodrama of it all mm-hmm. was so, like, it was, it's just, it was, like, just frankly, like, absurd. And, and, and if you wanted to, like, bring home, if you want to bring home, let, let me put it this way. 
In the uh, award-winning Chernobyl, nobody did that when they were upset when people died after, like, <laughs> sacrificing themselves. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you want to drive home the the tragedy of those people dying, then maybe in those cases, like, less is more. Rather than having people come in and screaming and, again, depicting, like, you know, human beings as irrational and just beating each other. Like, it just was so ridiculous and and that's separate from the like uh, the point probably bubs if you were going to make just about what they do constantly to raven's body um which is why yeah i mean which is just like once again we're watching raven get brutalized um but the music and the and the woman who played the girlfriend like screaming and all that it was just so melodramatic it was just like this is just not good yeah, and there's, like, so many different ways. Like, she could have done, like, the whole, like, sh- she lunges that raven, but her friends hold her back, and then she collapses to the ground, like, crying, whatever. And then she just kind of has to, like, you know, the somber moment of raven, like, standing there, having to just sit with, like, the weight of um, what she had to do to ensure that everybody survived. Um, I think that would have been better. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, compare it, compare it to the show, right? Compare it to The Calling. And you didn't have, you never had a scene of people, like what drove home the tragedy was how it focused in on small moments of the father holding the barrette, right? It was like, it made you sit with it. Um, the way that this is totally over the top, it almost takes you out of it if that makes sense, right? Like it, you don't, on paper, this episode is really tragic, but it was so over the top in places, I felt like it didn't let me sit with that tragedy. If that yeah. makes sense. Like, because it was, I mean, you know, you had the moment they, they tried to give us some connection to, to fuck, what was his name? Hatch. Hatch, there we go. I want to call him like Rush or something, whatever, Hatch. Uh, You know, they tried to like, we got a lot of character work out of him in his little short, short, you know, amount of time. Like, he was clearly the, you know, the more calming presence of that duo. Like, he got into some bad shit. He, like, you know, he and Murphy had some had some talk time, though that was oddly time. Because you're like, you're on a clock, guys. Stop fucking talking. Like, go, go. But whatever. That's a separate issue in terms of this show. Like, having people take moments when there is not the fucking time to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, But, like, you know, we got... We got a lot of, he sort of touched a lot of characters in a lot of ways. And it was sort of, you know, it was a little bit heavy handed, but at the same time, it was, it was well enough done. But then, yeah, she comes in like screaming like a banshee and just like wild haymakers, like landing on Raven. And I guess we're supposed to care that like Raven didn't try to defend herself. Um, I guess that that's what we're supposed to read out of it. That like Raven felt, thought that she deserved the beating. Like, uh, I guess. (laughs) She clearly felt bad. Like, I don't think I, I didn't miss that memo. <laughs> I didn't need to see her beat up for it. Like, it, it like also feels like, okay, maybe if that was not just a bad call, like, well, no, either way, it's a bad call. But it, if it's supposed to be that she's supposed to land into medical with Russell and that's going to, or sh- shit Hedda, uh, <laughs> and that's like supposed to be a thing next episode or whatever, if we jump it up, I don't know. I have no idea what they're doing. Um, but like, it's kind of just... That's not how it works. Like, you don't, like, force the... Like, if they're supposed to end up in the same room together, um, have Raven, like, punch a wall. 
you know, or some, I don't know. And then she has to go to medical. Don't make it this whole thing just to get her. Like, don't, you don't have to beat Raven up just to get her into medical with Russell. Like, yeah, it's just, like, you just see the, you see the strings too much on the show um, recently that it's just kind of, okay. <laughs> well, it's also just like, you know, I mean, um, we bet. To say that this show has become torture porn, but just to see, like, you know, the close up of her face all bloodied and all that, it's just like, I'm just so tired of that. And it's so, I don't like, exploitive isn't the right word. It's just like, I want to look, I want to look away. And and that's, that's not because it's like, hitting me in a place that's uncomfortable it's just like in a rolling my eyes like i can't believe i'm watching this character's body brutalized again you know like yeah instead and and i wish i had been thinking about sort of i I wish the focus had been really driving home the people who you know were lied to and lost their lives yeah because that's that's what it needed. Like she needed to have a conversation with Murphy or something about the gray area. Like, and even maybe Murphy calling her on it and been like, you know, you've been in this position the whole time. Like this is the first time that you can't blame your actions on someone else. Like that's the conversation that should have happened because it's again, it's not that Raven hasn't been living in this area her whole, like since we've known her. Like, even even her, like, getting down to the ground with Abby, yeah. like, s- disobeying rules, you know, just f- killing other people, like, that needed to be the conversation. And I think that she and Murphy and even Amori could have had that conversation. Like, she didn't need to get the shit kicked out of her. Granted, I see what you're saying, Bubs, the strings needed to pull her into, in, get, to get her well, into I'm medical. I'm assuming, because why? Because why else? Who, why? Yeah. <laughs> like, unless that doesn't go anywhere, too, in which case, fucking fine, I guess. But, like... If we're supposed to get this, like, this sort of, like, feeling from Raven and she's actually, like, getting a storyline and she's getting, you know, moment, you know, forward moment, I guess forward momentum in her, in her character arc. Like, yeah, it needs, it, 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 it can't end with her just getting the shit beaten out of her. It needs to be what she's feeling. Right. Because again, that's shallow. Right. Like get into the complexity, have those three characters get into it and talk about it. Because Murphy could call her on it. He would be the perfect person to call her and be like, no, this is not your welcome to the world of gray. You've fucking been here the whole time like me, Mm -hmm. except I own my choices and Mm -hmm. you don't. Right. And and, you know, tie it back to. You remember when they were all in the lab and Amori was the one who was going to be like sacrificed against her will, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's some really great character history about who makes decisions about who lives and dies and who has a choice and who doesn't. That's all right there. Yeah. Um and then I mean, I guess I, I would be remiss if we did not if we did not talk about her sort of lying to the Allegius uh crew in order to get them i mean like i know that we're still talking about raven and we're talking about you know that she knew that they were gonna die like do you do you guys think that like she knew that they were gonna die at the very beginning like when she was trying to like get the allegis to come I on think board it's possible i think it's possible which uh, is why that she agreed to the unlimited supply of of joe juice which by the way was <laughs> a pretty obvious shawshank um reference if if we're gonna do our 90s movie reference um when <laughs> oh, i don't uh, remember that when so the the warden um wanted Andy Dufresne to 
I guess, tar the roof. Um, mm-hmm. And so he basically negotiated, you know, that there he's got a group of prisoners who will do the job. Um, and he he asks for, I guess, uh, beer for them. Mm-hmm. I think two beers a piece um, to do that. Or maybe it was a six pack. I don't remember what it was, but it was, you know, some amount of beer. So that was it, it felt pretty Shawshank to me mm-hmm. um, in terms of that uh, sort of negotiation. But like. At what point did did Hatch know that he was going to die? Because he didn't strike me as a dummy. I think that, um, I think he knew, not at the beginning, I think he knew when he was in there and just kind of like, I think sometimes people who have had to like lie and steal because of like their place in life just are really good at reading people out of like survival Mm -hmm. instincts. Um, So I think that like once he was there, um, he had a sense, like a foreboding sense of what was going on. And then once like they were, you know, um, working and people started to feel ill, I think he knew at that point. But he continued to lie for them too, though. Like well, if because- he knew at that point, like he was also like, no, no, it's just the, it's just the nitrogen keep going or whatever. Like he helped, he did a better job than Raven did of, you know, sort of like. Yeah, but it's you what think he knew? You think he knew at that point? I think that I think that if you're working on nuke shit and people start throwing up and passing out that like it's not it's it's not just the the bypass of the xenon gas or yeah. whatever the fuck they were using. I think that he probably had an inkling that like it was really not good. I don't know if he knew that he was going to die. He definitely eventually knew that he was going to die. Um, but again, we kind of got that. I think that they were trying to hit a moment of him being kind of like the rest of the volunteers in the culling. Like uh-huh. they were trying to give him that sort of characterization. Yeah. No, no, I did. I did feel that way. I, not the first time when I first watched it and I was like a little bit drunk. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, so they're, they're telling us like all of the bad things that he's done. So that like Raven like kind of gets an out because like she like. You know, he killed several people, so this gets to be, like, his out in, um, what's it called? Redemption. Um, so it's, I thought it was, like, a little bit weak sauce, but I think it was more, they were trying to paint him in good light, but this is what I don't like. It's, like, they try to make these things hurt purposefully, and I'm just, like, so tired of them, like, making a character, um... I don't think likable in this instance is the right word, but like someone you empathize with, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, just to kill them. Like, I like that we can empathize with him and it's noble that he knew that he was going to die. Yet he kept everyone working because he knew instinctively knew the stakes and he had someone he loved out there who like he says to murphy like i also have someone i love out there so which can i just say is another parallel to a Balark moment in an elevator with murphy and bellamy <laughs> where murphy goes you're not the only one who has someone you care about up there or whatever he said who's who's bellamy yeah who's bellamy I don't where's know. bellamy <laughs> yeah yeah. No one, no one's, no one's really worried about that, or seems really concerned about that. Uh, like it's getting weird. It's like bullshit. at this point, I'm kind of just expecting them to 
like to have some sort of crazy sci-fi hand wavy thing to be like he was never there dun 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 <laughs> well, and like we go back and it's all a hologram and you're like what the fuck <laughs> seriously I mean, oh it would man. make it would make more sense. Like, I mean, th- yeah, this show is always well. This show, I think, we've been <clears throat> saying since maybe season four, maybe started in season three, had a, sort of that that issue of object permanence that like characters forget about other characters, even ones that are like really important to them. Um, and in like life or death circumstances, it particularly reared its head at the end of season four with with Jasper and with Raven. Um, but it, I, I just like, it, it seems like the anomaly and the sanctum, it's, it's like on, it's two different television shows. Yes. Well, no, there's it really three is. shows. There's and three not shows. just, like, and not just the plot because the characters, like nobody cares. Nobody has even mentioned. Not a single person. Not Clark. Not Murphy. Raven. No one has mentioned that they haven't seen Bellamy. That they haven't seen. Like they knew Octavia, Octavia was back, right? Like people who they have known for years. That the audience knows, like as a group, right? It both within the world of the show and for the audience sitting at home, it is absurd. Well, and I mean, I know that you guys are not Echo fans or whatever, but like Raven, Amori, and Murphy all lived on on the ring they're with family. Echo. Yeah, I mean, I've like, been told quote. I've been told that they're family, <laughs> and I know that that happened all off screen. But it, but like nobody has mentioned any. Nobody's even been like, "Hey, where are they?" You know, like it's, it's crazy, and and it's so easy to again, like again, like this is like. I am not a writer. I will not pretend that I am a writer. Um, I don't think I've even ever finished any of my fanfic stories, um, which is just horrible. I know. I can't believe I just admitted that out loud. Um, But um, it's just like, just have somebody say like, God, I hope they get back soon from this stupid quest because like we could really use their help. Exactly. Like literally, that's all you have to do. And like, and I'll have like, it may well actually, but Part of this I will kind of go into further. I have, like, some, like, conspiracy theories, obviously, because I always have conspiracy theories. Um, But, yeah, it's just – it's so bizarre. And it's not, like – it doesn't feel organic. And it just – it really takes you out of the episode. Like, are you seeing – like, again, another episode where nobody mentions that? Because it would be one thing if all of this was happening, like, basically kind of almost at the same time. If that makes sense, like if like these were like completely parallel stories, except we've shown that like days have gone by, uh-huh. like plural days. It's not like, I mean, granted, like when they get taken and they go to, you know, wherever the fuck, it's just been like a small amount of time. But like we've gone, it has become like Russell's fire brought us a new day. So it's not like it's not like no time has passed. It's not like we're doing a lie in the witch in the wardrobe shit where like, you know, Bellamy and Echo and every you know, everyone shows up and they're like, We're finally back, man. And they're like, dude, it's been twenty minutes. Like, that's not what we're getting. It has been a day and no one knows where they are. And and it could be like, you know, if they're like I said before that I was I was like grateful that they're trying to bring these character moments and inject like a little bit more heart into the show. Um, but like how how much more feelings would we have if, for example, Indra and um, 
Gaia were to have a little bit of conversation about Octavia, you know, like it would be helpful if she was here, um, if she was here, you know, that they miss her because she was family to them. Yeah. Um, and if it was like, um, Amori, Raven and Murphy were to mention gag sound echo. Um, and like Clark just mentioned Bellany, like we, we want to remember these connections we want to feel that these characters feel things for each other because this is the final season like the the show is about the people and like the plot makes it fun but the plot is supposed to be you know the roller coaster for our characters that that take us on their journey and it's it's usually kind of like the other way around somehow I don't know. Yeah, uh, I mean, the fact that they have all of the core characters that are the reason why we've been invested in the show for seven seasons, despite, frankly, declining quality, um, and have them all scattered in these silos in the final season is just, I, I just don't understand why anybody would think that that would be satisfying to conclude a story. I don't either. <laughs> but um, I mean, yeah. I, the one, the one, the only other thing about um, the nuclear plotline was that scene with Gaia and Indra and Clark and one crew, mm-hmm. and you know that on prior seasons that push and pull about persuading people and telling them the truth versus withholding the truth right and trying to get them to do different things like the show used to actually explore that in a really interesting way but this just like it doesn't it's almost like you can take the dialogue and then the dialogue underscores why the crowd's reaction doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. for example one crew lived for years without a hedda Right, right, and 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 as as the and dialogue points out, like they had to be cooperative, like they were in a fucking bunker, they had to work together and care about each other, even if they didn't like each other. In ex- under circumstances of extreme, ab- absurdly extreme sacrifice, right? Mm-hmm. Like they ate people. They ate people. Their whole, <laughs> they the whole fucking <laughs> ate people <laughs> without. Yeah, without a and and the whole mantra and their beliefs of one crew, right? Like you're all in it together, right? Nobody stands alone. And then you're gonna tell, and and they've had they had Maddie back for what, like a day before they went to sleep <laughs> at the end, right? At the end of season five, yeah. And and then they just got all woke. They weren't even awake during season six, right? They woke them up like at the end. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how long? How many days did they have Maddie as Heda? Heda like, like a week. That, <laughs> I'm just like trying to keep track. If like that four days, maybe. So the idea that that supposed bombshell and this it would render them just like walking away from a life or death situation, and no, and that group of people that had gone through an experience in the bunker like that. And and no, there would be no debate. There would be nobody like, but you know, if we don't step up, we're not going to have like no debate. Just everybody is just the, such a stupid, blind mass of people that they all just shrug and walk away or like, fuck it. Guess we're all going to die. Like it, it's absurd. Well, and the fact that like Indra, who, you know, was arguably second in command, the fact that like she, 
I mean, she was right to not have faith in them, but at the same time, that doesn't square with what we saw about one crew and how, like, they were supposed to be these fucking fearless badasses. Like, that was the whole thing, was, like, the reason why Dioza kind of had respect and fear in a lot of ways of Octavia is that one crew will fuck you up. And like, they were fanatical in their own way from this bond that formed from being in a bunker, from having to eat their friends. Like it was fucked up. It was fucked up. But like the fact that like they would sort of take an individualistic cowardly way out, by the way, we're talking about the next section. Clearly we have, we have moved on from the, from the nukes. Um, <laughs> like that was that like, Again, yeah, it gets it goes back to this stupid mob idea that's not what we were shown in season five. I mean, yes, they like there, there was plenty to complain about in terms of decision making in season five, but one thing that was never in question was one crew's fucking loyalty. Mm-hmm. Like to to one crew, not I mean slash Octavia, but but not not to Maddie. Yeah. Right, and and that- the thing is an interesting take on these different factions would be like, if we look at like our real world, there's different cultures and different, um, and in different cultures, people have different priorities. For example, there are cultures that are very collectivistic, mm-hmm. um, who, you know, like one crew, it's all about what's best for everybody. You know, everyone is an ant in the colony doing their part and helping. And, you know, they, they, they make sacrifices for the good of everybody. And then you have cultures um, that are more individualistic. And those are more about like chasing your heart's content, finding fulfilling things for yourself, etc. So if we were to juxtapose these different factions based on their cultural profiles. Um, so we have one crew, co- collectivistic, allegiance crew, very independent and... Um, the sanctumites as like a combination um and and we were to like kind of play off of that that would be that would be interesting <laughs> yeah um it, but that's not what be. we're seeing it's like so reductive for each i don't i don't even know how to describe it i don't know i also i also was thinking about how um how much more how much more this episode would have hurt emotionally if the people who died were people who did so knowing at least some of the risk. Do you know what I mean? And and for Raven to have to sit with that. I mean, part of just to take it back to the story that this episode was sort of cribbing off of part of what made the story of Chernobyl so impactful is that even while leaders were lying to them, people knew what was at stake at various points and rose to the occasion and sacrificed themselves. And so you have this juxtaposition of deeply unworthy leaders, but, and so that sort of shows sort of um, how terrible human beings can be, but you have that juxtaposed with like the best in humanity when people do step up and are willing to sacrifice themselves for the many. And when you have that kind of juxtaposition, it it, it just brings home sort of the tragedy, like, right. There's a lot of really interesting layers to allegiance being criminals and being viewed as expendable. 
right? Like, and indentured servants, basically. Right. And who makes, who do we ask to make those sacrifices and who gets to sit in the control room and not have to put their body on the line? There are some really interesting layers to that that I wish, you know, I, I just don't think the show is up to exploring. Um, but well, it's, it's all there. It's like they went, it's like they went so far not wanting to tell the Chernobyl story that they missed the whole point of why that story does not get old. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's it's a good like archetype of this sort of emotional gut punch of like they knew that their leaders were fucking lying to them. Here's a guy who is telling them the truth. They finally got the truth out of out of them and it's guaranteed horrible death. I mean, we, we even saw it a few times. Like it wasn't just when the workers were volunteering to like go repair the pipes or whatever the fuck they were doing. It yeah. was when um fuck was our main dude's name? Ooh. I don't remember names. Main dude who worked with the government official and basically told the government official was like, hey, listen, like, this is what's going to happen. We're both going to be dead in five years. So Yeah. Or the you- miners. Right? Yeah. Ugh. Or the miners. Yeah. The nude miners who were like, go fuck yourself. Like, But that's okay. another thing, like, that, that would have been interesting to explore because I don't know that all those miners knew that they were going to die, but their, their foreman did. He knew that yep. he was going to die and he knew that they were going to die. And when the guy was like, why aren't they wearing their protective gear? And he's like, it's fucking hot. Does it fucking matter? And right. he, he was speechless. No, it didn't. In other words, if you if your interest was piqued by who bears what cost and leaders lying to people in a nuclear disaster, go watch HBO's Chernobyl. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot stress enough how amazing that show is, and I hate the first things. episode was I'm the most so stressful thing I have ever watched in my entire <sighs> life. I was upset. It was like watching fucking Dancer in the Dark, except worse. Like, I wanted to scream at my television and then it just kept kept getting better. Oh, right. Oh and then the genius, the genius of saving the actual play-by-play of when people made the decisions in the control room mm-hmm. and saving that for the end instead of as you would traditionally begin the story with that, mm-hmm. it just is like such was it's such a gut punch. And it, yeah, I I liked that we. I mean, I will say that I liked that we got the sort of discussion between Gaia and Indra and Clark. Like that was good. That was good that we finally had at least some sort of a debate going on. It's just kind of like then we just had you know the rabble ra- you know crowd in the back that makes no fucking sense mm-hmm. and. Yeah, it just didn't square up with like what we had sort of been taught about one crew in season five, right? And again, this is go. This goes back to like my um my Raven rant about they decide these arcs or they decide these plot lines, and they don't stop to think about whether that organically flows in to the setup of the story so far. You know, it should really kind of be like sitting with the characters and be like, well, where would they go from here? Like, where would they, you know, and so it's, it's frustrating because these things happen and and they don't ring true because you're kind of like, well, that's, but that's not the way things were. Why would they think of it that way? Why would they do this? Like, so it's frustrating. I mean, because the story, basically, it doesn't matter if it's one crew or if it's um, children of Gabriel or any of it, right? Mm -hmm. They just need people. They need a mass of people to act like idiots Mm -hmm. to further the plot. I mean, that's basically all that it comes down to. So that our heroes, who apparently are the only rational human beings, no matter what planet they're on, um, are the ones sort of like carrying the water for the plot. And the, and then the masses just act stupid because that's what the plot needs them to do. 
Speaking of um, acting stupid, <laughs> um, can we can we talk a little bit about uh, Jordan? Um, who just at this point they have glued the idiot ball to his hands. Yeah, poor yeah. Jordan. Um, it's, it has nothing to do with the actor. The actor's no. lovely. He's doing his best, but holy fuck. Like, again, like, someone who is behaving, like, like, I get being naive, but he's, like, incompetent. And so he's just running back and forth between, you know, groups that don't make any fucking sense, like, trying to, like, say, oh, so-and-so means this, so-and-so means that. Like, I know that I'm sort of moving us along here, but, like, just, what the fuck? Yeah, and it's kind of like, um, it feels kind of like they're punishing Monty for being so kind and peaceful and and Harper for wanting to, you know, join him in this, like, more positive life um, because now their kid is, like, ill-equipped to do anything. (laughs) Well, it's, you know, I I guess in some ways, like, to your point about object permanence with characters, Cece, like... Hey, they remembered that Monty and Harper existed. Like, that's something, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I did appreciate the call out, but not, it, I mean, it was. Yeah, normal. but also in a way that, I mean, I always appreciate when they remember that Monty and Harper existed, but it, <laughs> it makes it makes zero sense for Jordan to be like, I'm my father's son to somebody who doesn't know who his father is. That makes no sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, who, did yeah. he, wait, who did he say that to? Russell, Russell, it's Russell, right? That makes no goddamn sense. I completely (laughs) miss that. (laughs) Right? That just you know. So I'm like, yeah, I get that, but that makes no sense in that conversation. Like it would have been fine if, like, maybe Jackson or Miller or someone had confronted him and like he said it then because they right, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Instead, I don't know if that was more like exposition to us. <laughs> I mean, like, clearly, I, but it just—I mean, sh- like Russell, whatever uh, dark Sith Lord inside of him, you know, like it, he would have been like, "Yeah, I don't know who that guy is," but okay, because <laughs> yeah. well, like it's—he could have said that, and Jordan could have been like, "Don't worry about it," like because then we would have known as, as an audience, like, "Yeah, it's not." He he knows what he's doing with the information, but for for Russell slash Hedda to not say anything, no, like, I don't know, I don't know who you're talking about. I'm pretty uh, sure it was, if I'm remembering correctly, it was like my father's son, and then like smashed to next whatever for impact. It was oh just God. like, All right. well, yeah, I mean, it, it, and at that point, like what? So Russell slash Shade Hedda or whatever is just thinking, well, yeah, I guess you did have a dad, hmm. <laughs> you know? Like, I, what do you do with that information? It's again, like this just gets into like. Just my whole feeling of, why the fuck is Jordan involved in any of this anyway? Like, I get that we want peace, but, like, at this point, like, why do any of the people from Earth, why are they getting involved in any of this? I do not understand. Like, why are they involved in this conflict? Why do they not just, like, peace out and go live somewhere else, like, within the boundaries of their, like, you know, force field? I don't understand. Right, like, right. Like, I would much rather be watching Jordan with Hope and Maddie. Yes, I was and have the and have the three of them be like, yeah. So weird children. Yeah, like no, no, weird but homeschooled all, children. But also, right, like you know, they have this running joke of all the children 
um, who have heard all the stories passed down of the of the characters that we love. <laughs> Their favorite is always Murphy, right? Yeah. So just think about like the potential there for Hope and for Jordan and for Maddie to be like, all right, so which one do you think like least matches up to the description of the yeah. stories you heard? You know, like what a great conversation. Seriously, like, oh no, this one's so much better. And they're like, yeah, but in person, like, eh. <laughs> yeah, they are like three kids just like discussing their favorite like comic book heroes, but now they had to meet them. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, it's just like that's what I want. I want to watch Jordan interacting with his parents' friends and having them fall short. Or meeting his parents' idealization of them, right? And yes. the stories. That's what's interesting. Not him why? talking to this fucking random dark Sith Lord that I don't care about. Or or the brainwashed hippies. Like, I don't care about either of them. Like, why right. are we there? Seriously. Seriously, like, they should have just, you know, the people that we care about, the few um, people, should have kind of just left... And left all these others to, like, figure it out for themselves. And, like, maybe we could have come back at some point and see what they'd done with everything. And, like, maybe they would have figured it out and been like, why can't we figure it out? They figured it out left to their own devices. Is it us? (laughs) Like, been like, hey, like, we're going to wake you guys up. If you guys don't want our help, that's fine. Deuces. You know, like, you leave Allegis to do their thing. I don't... Why are you to why are they preventing like I mean not to be whatever there are enough people technically for genet for genetic diversity like children of Gabriel and the followers can like they can go to war I don't give a fuck yeah like wh- why are we involved I I I, I it's I, I I I'm so <laughs> I just don't want to watch it yeah like, this episode last the episode premiere, was great yeah that's what I want to watch. And it's the final season, and there's, what, 16 episodes? I don't want to be watching this. And it's the final season, which I think then underscores that frustration because there's precious little time left, and I don't want to be watching any of this nonsense. Yeah, I would have loved, like, our start to be, like, you know, maybe, like, one exposition conversation um, between the characters we love being, like, so do you think the – the prisoners and like Gabriel, children of Gabriel and Sanctum crew are gonna figure it out. I'm like, eh, well, I hope so. So let's hop into Sonali, huh? <laughs> right, and, exactly. And that's it. That's them working together, like going to new planets, and we get to be on that adventure with them. And finally, it's about the people that we know and we care about, you know? Um, instead of doing all this stuff, like, I think it's, and I've said this before, that I think the show got a lot of accolades for creating these new combinations of characters. Um, and, and I think that it, it was amazing to have like Murphy with Jaha. I think that's the one that stands out for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, but after having that praise, like that's all they do every single season. And on one hand, like I get it. And sometimes it works beautifully. Like Dio's and Octavia, again, those like Murphy and Jaha, Dio's and Octavia, those two weird pair offs. Amazing. Like it just weird mentorships. That worked so well. It worked right? so well. And so I get it. But like the fact that they did it so consistently each season that it started to um, kind of degrade the relationships that existed because there was no upkeep. There was just all these weird like um, the fact that Raven and 
Um, Octavia, when was the last time they had a conversation? Like, so there's all these, like, really or weird Murphy and Murphy Octavia. and Octavia. Yeah. Like, there's super weird disconnections between these characters that, like, to us are, like, the main team. But, like, when you kind of dissect it and look at their screen time, you're like, what the fuck? Like, so yeah. I, it's just kind of, like, they really needed to pick, like, one pair and have it be, like, for five episodes, you know? And just kind of Make sure that they're upkeeping these relationships anyways. Yeah. I mean, if you can just, um, like, if I can just contrast it to, I mean, let, let's just compare the, like, we're in a final season. I'm watching the final season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or the final season of 12 Monkeys. Those are shows that spent or their fight. Yeah. They're shows that have had their main characters have great divisions and civil wars basically between the found families. Right. But for the final season, mm-hmm. the whole every- point is that they come together. Exactly. Cause that's why we care. And you don't continue to keep them in separate plot lines and not even remembering that the other ones existed, mm-hmm. you know, because ultimately, ultimately I'm not watching this show because of the anomalies or because of sure as hell not for Sanctum or any of these like plot machinations. You're watching because of the characters. Mm -hmm. And that's consistently what they shortchange. And it's just really, um, yeah, it's just, honestly, it's the equivalent of like when I watch my daughter play with her Barbies and she just picks random ones up and puts them together. That's that's what it feels like. So this is actually the perfect fucking lead-in to the last thing that I wanted to talk about uh, in terms of moments that got significant fucking screen time this episode and makes us go, huh. (laughs) Let's talk about Clark and Gaia. At the Bear in the Big Blue House, which is a different show crossover that happened in this episode. Yeah, so what is is that? What is that reference? Bear in the Big Blue House. I don't know No, it's just... It's like a similar house style, although it's blue and not yellow. Um, oh, I, I think of it. A, I'm confused. You don't know Bear in the Big Blue House? No, I don't know. What no, the I've never heard about. of it. What? God, yeah. you guys did not watch Nick Jr. I did um, watch Nick Jr. I'm older than you. I probably stopped watching yeah. Nick Jr. Like okay. before so it happened. It, it is a. I, it's a bear. I think it's a live action bear. Now that I remember it, who lives fuck? in like a big. Victorian style house that looks very much like the yellow house and it's it's a children's show about children's show things so that's kind of like I mean it's just Clark and Gaia in the yellow house are just having it on another plane of reality yeah you know we're in the middle of like a nuclear meltdown and they're like let's have some tea and like like, you know just the burying Sh- the part shit. was one thing. Like, okay, fine. Weird that, that Maddie wasn't there. Kind of weird yeah. that Jackson was there. Her grandmother. Let's say bye to grandma. Fun. Or Raven. It's just Raven. the two of them. Raven, who who had this, you know, this relationship Mega with Mega bond Abby. with her found mother in Abby, who also very complicated Murphy. as well. Because, and Murphy, right? And like, Murphy. not all of them get to say goodbye, but like, well, okay, and not. Okay, so like, and that, so so that is um, saying goodbye, like that's talking about character relationships with respect to Abby, right? Mm-hmm. Also, wouldn't you, if you're Clark's friend, be there for that memorial? Like, it, for Clark? <laughs> Do you know what I mean, right? Like, so it doesn't make sense for Abby. It doesn't make sense for Clark. I, I felt my, I, I have 
rarely felt my television screen almost groaning with the effort <laughs> to manufacture. I mean, when Gaia showed up in, I mean, and she's be- she's a beautiful woman. Yeah, and I, I was love not, the character. I was not sad about. I mean, they did good work together. Like they're both capable actors. It was fine. It was just why is this happening right now? Yeah, and yeah, and, and the flowing purple dress. I was like, okay, so I I get. I, I guess if I squint, I can think, okay, so she's changing how she's dressing because now she doesn't know who she is anymore because there's no more flame. So right? she went to Hot Topic to kind of find herself. I but mean, the, she looks good. She looks yeah, good. The, she looks good. Yeah, but like the nightgown section. It was like <laughs> this purple flowing. That, I, I mean, I honestly, I started laughing. I'm like, I know what you're doing. You want them to fall in love. I get it. Yeah. And that is not... That's frankly not doing the characters any service, right? It doesn't feel organic. I, I can see the up. effort, you know? Yeah. I felt the same way. And, like, here's the thing. Like, you could have, like, <laughs> everything that that's wrong, it's like there's so many ways you could have done this. Like, have the scene be the opening scene. Have Raven and Murphy be there. And, of course, Amori because she's supporting Murphy. And, like, maybe they each have a little thing to say about Abby that, you know, is about Abby and Jackson. Jackson's and there could have been there. good closure for Abby Great too, because closure. a lot of people, a lot of fans of Abby, Abby feel like they just didn't get any fucking closure for that act, for that character. Exactly, and then having all the characters bond over saying goodbye to Abby is a great way to bring Clark back into the fold with all these people that she's been very disconnected from, and we feel it. Um, and then, and then having people part to go do whatever they do. Um, and have, like, if you want to have Clark and Gaia have a conversation, like, have it start about Maddie because that is their common ground. And then they can go into, like, their own individual strifes, you know? Like, right, right, but instead we had just the burying and then some random moment where Gaia's fucking drinking tea and they're talking about that she doesn't know what she wants to do with her life. And you're like, wait, why is that scene in there? Like, because what you're saying, Bubs, like, I think could have been done in the exact same amount of screen time. Mm-hmm. If that was the issue, I mean, maybe they just couldn't get the other actors because that was the other kind of funny thing is that they clearly didn't have um, Lola for this episode. Mm -hmm. And so they were just like talking about Maddie being off somewhere else. Like, she's in my room. I'm in my room, mom. (laughs) Keep out. (laughs) I mean, and I just I I I honestly now wonder, like, Yes, that script to screen came out, you know, where they were trying to make Gaia and Clark a thing and like we all rolled our eyes and stuff like that because it didn't really play that way on screen. But like mm-hmm. now that we've seen these these two, two or three scenes with them again in this episode where like it's soft, quiet moments that they're, you know, finding time to really sort of talk about their feelings with each other. And you're like, so are they about to do this? Are they is that what they're setting up? I it, think clearly. And, right? and, and it's like if you have to try that hard, like the chemistry is not there. I... <sighs> I don't it has know. nothing. It has nothing to do. I love both those characters. I love both those actors. Sometimes yeah. it just you don't. Can you? Um, I, I I actually asked this, and I asked it in tongue in cheek, but in all in sincerity, when I asked this on Twitter, have you ever? Can you think of a show <laughs> where I'm not talking about a slow burn where you finally pay it off? I mean, two characters that barely had any interaction with each other really before certainly not building any underlying tension right and you throw them together in the final season of a show and the only example that people came back with 
um, was from Buffy. And it's not a favorable comparison, which Selena pointed out. Um, and it's just, it's just not emotionally satisfying because we just don't, you, honest. you don't have enough time to build that to, to, for, and for that to be wait, like, wait, but Buffy, there was that, like to say that there was no buildup like that. No, I wait. think they're talking about Kennedy. Oh yeah. No, yeah. fuck Kennedy. There we go. That's, <laughs> no, that's, oh, that's God. where we're at. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Sorry about that. No, no, no. Absolutely fuck Kennedy. But I also, I, that, I don't know necessarily if that was even, I never even met, read that as Endgame. Like, I was kind of, like, hoping, I was like, come on, now once now once the apocalypse is done, like, maybe maybe Willow re- remembers that she's far too good for Ken. But whatever, that's a separate issue. Um, but okay, no, now I have riled up a little bit. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were about Buffy and Spike, and I was like, what are you talking about? No, no I, I lo- are you kidding me? Kennedy from my, from my brain. I love Buffy and Spike. I know. No, 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 no. And so. I also felt, I also felt, I got a weird vibe between Clark and Gaia that was like more that Clark was like the the sage elder um being maternal with her which was yeah. so which weird is a kink in and of itself oh totally and I'm not gonna kink shame um if people love it for that angle I actually respect that more <laughs> but like but from a from a sense of like building something romantic like I, I was so like confused that that was the vibe that I was getting when I think it was supposed to be two equals finding common ground beyond a, a child that they're connected to, you know? Um, so I guess on that level, it didn't work for me. And I, I do have to just say one thing that's like fandom related is I saw this thread on Reddit where it's like, oh, now Blark fans hate Gaia because they think she's in the way. And I was like, I actually didn't see a lot of hate for Gaia. And I think, like, Gaia was never, like, a super popular character, you know? Her her whole um, being super religious and, in Murphy's words, praying to garbage was kind of, like, uh, it was kind of, like, annoying. But I think that people like the actress a lot. Like, I remember, I can't dislike Gaia because I'm, um, I met Tati at one of the Unity Days, and she is, like, a ray of freaking sunshine. She's lovely. Oh, yeah. my God. Like, she is just, her and her little chihuahua, I hope she still has him. He's not dead, and I'm not bringing up sad memories. But um, <laughs> she looks young, so I'm sure that's fine. Um, but she is amazing. And if you've watched, um, what's it, The Sabrina? Chilling Tales of Sabrina – um, that show, I think the first few seasons were a little rough, but like, I finally finished the whole series as there's more seasons, but I, you're caught in new ones. Anyways, um, I'm up to date. Um, I love that show now and she is like such a great element on that show. Um, so I just like, I think people want to harp on Balark fans sometimes and it's easy to be like, well, now people say they don't like Gaia when I think a lot of people are kind of like, she's super meh and I don't like like the... The fanaticism. <laughs> and that's been like an idea that people have had for a long time. But I think everyone has always liked the actress and have been open to have Gaia do more. Um, it's just that like now the more is is she's definitely on screen more. It's just what are we getting from I this? Mean, and, well, and I say this as a gay. Like I want everything to be gayer. Like, yeah. yes, obviously. Yeah. Great. And like I, I won't, you know, in, in some ways I'll be like, yay, this is actually great representation. Awesome. But at the same time, like, if they do go there that way, I'm kind of like, but why? Like, but why? But, but why? I mean, if you weren't going to go Balark, if you weren't going to go Balark, which is its own sort of thing in terms of what they have been building mm-hmm. and, like, whatever, like, that's kind of its its own ickiness of to not do that. Like, 
mm-hmm. why why do you feel the need that you have to put Clark with anyone then? Like mm-hmm. the the narrative needed to be either Balark or no one because well, no, that's the way that they've written the story. If they're not going to bring Lexa back, let it be Balark. And if it's not going to be Balark, fucking bring Lexa back because those are the two ships. Like I think both ships have been very like passion-inducing. Like, people, they're great stories to people. People have loved them. People have written thousands of fan fiction stories about them. Smutty, smutty fan fic. Like, I think each, I think there's 10,000-something Klexa fics and a thousand Blark fics. Like, thousands of fics. Like, this is, this is, these are real ships. People are thirsty. Yeah, people are thirsty, and these are iconic ships that are going to, like, stay in people's minds. Um, not doing these ships that have all this, like, um, this story and everything, you know, to just do, like, a a Gaia ship or even, even, I mean, I think Neela would be a better choice, but, like, also, eh, you know, because they kind of just, like, drop the ball and doing, like, building anything. God knows. Who? Nyla. Oh, oh I always say it wrong. You always say Nyla. Oh. I actually thought about that the other day and I was like, is it is it Nyla? No, no, it's Nyla. I say it I wrong. Mean, I always say Nyla and it, no, I don't. Like I never I'm never gonna say it right. But that's but that's because Klexa and Balark were both slow burns that were, you know, like metic- they meticulously laid the groundwork, right? Where you felt like it was gonna reach Inevitable. This- inevitable for both of them right mm-hmm. like I, I felt that like i love bellamy and clark but i was it felt Clexa felt inevitable as well right mm-hmm. because because the writing led you there because the care because the actors have chemistry lighting chemistry yeah and so it, the thing is it's not just gaia and clark it is i don't know if because of what went what went down in season three this show basically decided to walk away from telling romantic stories front and center. Because if if I look back on sort of the first three seasons, I think Kane and Abby, seasons one through three, were wonderful, slow burn. It was meti- a great, like the fact that they ended up together after he was like, the one who floated her husband, but like it felt earned. It wasn't shocking. Absolutely. It wasn't like we didn't begrudge her. Like they did the work. And they right. And and it's not right. Like I, you know, like I'm a romantic. I love a romance, but all three of those relationships, whether it's Cabby, whether it's Klexa, and you know, I loved Balark. Obviously they're not doing that, but all three of them, it wasn't just about the chemistry. Those are characters that had real history with one another, that debated things, that shaped one another, right? Like, it, it felt like real people, the way real romantic relationships. And and since season three, you know, even Murphy and Amori, right? Oh, I love um, them. But since any romantic relationships have either, for example, with Bellamy and Echo, occurred offstage or are given sort of this like shorthand, like Raven and Shaw, they're not substantive, they're not complex, they're not, it, it really, and and that too doesn't, like, I love that the show celebrates all kinds of different relationships, the best shows do, but it, but you're also not really reflecting the human experience when you when you give those sorts of feelings and relationships that short shrift. If that makes sense. Like, 
all of it, like just writing Clark like a random love interest in season seven or giving Bellamy a romantic relationship that occurred off screen or Raven has like two conversations with Shaw. They have sex and then he dies. An but you miss later. the electric guitar like theme <laughs> the play and that's how you knew it was real. Well, how you know it's real is if um, the new love interest killed the old one, whether directly or indirectly. How many times does that happen? Um, Kane and Abby. Um, Clark, Clark and Lexa. Clark and Lexa. And Finn. Finn, yeah. And um, Echo. Um, I feel like oh, right, with Gina. Yeah. <laughs> like, how, <laughs> I mean, hold on. By this logic, though, it really should be Clark and Raven getting together. Like, that's what it should be. Right? But, yep. like, but Gaia put it in the dirt, so that's what counts. Got it. Right. Got it. Got right. it. And if you wanted to have, if you wanted to have, I mean, I love that the show has representation. Then why didn't they go for Dioza and Octavia? Because they sure as hell had history. I mean, we history. ranted about this such, shit last weekend. Such like, a good buildup. It like, was. I yes. It. <laughs> and like, I I would have loved for them to like you know. Um, challenge the audience by us thinking like it was going to be some kind of maternal like Octavia is finally going to get her mom they totally but guess what fucked. They guess totally what fucked. it was not that <laughs> they fucked. you know like I would have written the uh, the two the two queens in the garden together I would have written that fanfic like right? maybe uh, we just need to go fix it because I mean, do because I mean, and then, you know, the argument, of course, could be made for Harper and Monty and like they did have some disagreements in season five. But then we also get into the whole issue of fucking ghost Harper of season five. And so it was like they kind of like gave it to us and then shelved it and then brought it right back out for the finale. And then we were kind of like, well, mm." right. Remember when remember in 503 or 504 where Bellamy's like, yeah, um, a listing Monty everyone Raven. except Harper? And no Harper. And I was like, they never answered why. And it was so weird. And there's like, again, I feel like every every season has a shadow season conspiracy theory. But like that one really like I felt like Harper had some weird storyline that got cut. And they didn't think to like fix all the little rev- reverberations of that story that they cut. Um, but it just, it really makes you scratch your head. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the the one other thing about this um, storyline that, and maybe this was just me. Which I, one? The Gaia one? Um, well, Clark. Clark. Clark okay. Clark's characterization. I And I didn't see if other people were saying this. I, I was sitting there just finding it very um, plot convenient and not necessarily tied to character that all of a sudden Clark Griffin is the blood must have blood character. Like we have to execute Russell. Um, And, you know, they had these kind of very shallow, I mean, it's like Jackson, they've just turned him into like this, like, no, we must kill her because kill him because Abby, right? Like it just, it's terrible. Like, I mean, it's so simplistic and the, you know, and, and it's like, again, it's dialogue outlining the complexities, but aren't you a doctor? Right? Like, shouldn't we see Jackson really struggling with that more? No, and I, I think they, they they did do, they touched on this a yeah, little bit. A little bit, but I just, Not Clark, Clark's characterization of just how stone cold she is about executing someone, given the whole end of quote unquote book one being to try and do better, 
I, I, I guess I just would have thought that Clark Griffin would have been struggling with it a little bit more internally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Instead of just shrug, we're going to execute him, burn him alive. Cool. Like, it, it was just like, what? It, it's, Emerson, <laughs> it's like the Emerson thing all over again. And like, obviously, like, like all the only lessons that Clark has been given are um, if you don't execute the person that you we're supposed to execute it's gonna backfire which again it's like it go it goes back to like the whole the show is like anti-democracy i think the show is accidentally also anti-execution slash the death penalty because anti-humanity yeah it really has a really um dim view of humanity yeah because like so they clark Gave Emerson um, his freedom, even though he wanted to die. And then he came back and gave Asgata the um, detonation codes <laughs> for Mount Weather. Um, and people died. So, and that's, Clark had to quote unquote bear that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, do you guys have anything else you want to rant about um, before we no. get into our, before we try to wrap it up? I'll talk about Maxon super quick. Oh, yes, yes. Sorry, yeah. I forgot your notes well, about Maxon. Yeah, actually, no, so... They're giving us some Maxon scenes. How about that? <laughs> I thought, like, um, at first, when, the first time I watched it, I it was, like, not enough. And it's still, it's not, a, it's just, like, a blip of a scene, really. Um, but I, I appreciated that they finally tried to give it some color and some kind of, like, um, what's the word? Co- like, dynamic conflict that they can, like, chew on (laughs) um but it's just like i feel like i'm appreciating it from a stance of like um starvation so i i I was gonna say it still feels like scraps oh oh 100 100 percent um but i i guess it's like that's all they have but i did think when when miller said i'm not just following orders Jax. i was like did miller get echoes follower storyline since she's off in the anomaly which i thought was like (laughs) come on (laughs) Somebody, somebody needs that storyline. So, yeah, let's just recycle it instead of giving something that makes sense to the character. Whatever, whatever. (sighs) My, go ahead. ahead. No, my only like other sort of thought was, um, you know, I absolutely adore Indra, and yes, and every time, every time she's on screen. I'm happy and I always want more and I know that she's a recurring, you know, character. But you know, I- Indra Indra went on a real um a real journey in season 5. Um with Octavia and sort of questioning authority, right? Um and there's just some really complex layers there to the character. And she you now have her and her daughter you have sort of all of these like new order, like it's like a new order, right? And old things being stripped away and other, like, I I just, I just really wish that they would dig into Gaia and Indra and, you know, it's, it's basically our only parent child relationship. I mean, I, okay. Clark and Maddie, but between adults really on the show left, Mm -hmm. um, their identities and the, um, philosophies that they followed were always a point of conflict between them those have sort of fallen away and i just there's there's so much interesting potential there and and they just kind of leave it all on the table mm-hmm. um and i wish i wish they would do more with them i mean particularly if guy is going to 
be more sort of a front and center character, you know, it's Indra that we have the history with. Um, and it's Indra who, you know, like, I, I'm not quite sure if all of the lessons Indra has learned over the years, if she quite would be acting the way she is in this episode. I don't know. Um, but I just, I just wish that they would dig into him more because they're both great actors and, and it's a character relationship that has so much history, like not only with each other and other characters, but like in the show. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, and instead they had Gaius talking to Clark for most of the time. And I really wanted to hear about her struggling with her identity with her mother, since mm-hmm. that had been such a point of conflict. It, that would have been the, yeah, the correct conversation to have with Indra because that conversation started in season four, you know, because Indra I think it's like she and her family maybe have always been warriors and um, Gaia defied that to go be a flame keeper. And she, I, I think it's interesting that we got the insight that it's because um, when her father died in Indra said they couldn't cry about it, you know? So mm-hmm. she went off to find something that was more fulfilling emotionally for her because being a warrior and being stoic was not fulfilling. Um, so yeah, it would be great to see that journey continue. And I think having that journey continue and then having that moment, and I actually, this is one thing that maybe the show actually will do based on what they put in this episode, um, to have Indra who reads the crowd so well and has this, like this view on humanity that for her has been correct up until this point. But like, if we're actually ever going to get to a place where humanity is, is more than these, um, trigger choices of fighting and crowd mobs and all this like nonsense um to have her have this moment where she's actually wrong and that people are more than fighting and prejudice and all this all these things like that would be a great moment of growth for her and i think that would be a great journey for her to go on with gaia to get there um so i i I think like maybe maybe that's part of her story based on what we saw um right but maybe i'm just like well being too naive (laughs) so you bring up an interesting point um in that we had clark basically have that you know in her conversation with gaia while they were drinking tea i think um guy was drinking tea whatever um about clark wondering if that's all they are is fighting. Mm-hmm. Like if that's, if that's just, if that's just, there's nothing else for them. And like, based on what you were just saying, I'm like, w- was this sort of like a little tongue in cheek meta joke, wink nudge at the audience that like really didn't land? Because again, as written did not read the room of what the audience actually wants to see. Like, mm-hmm. well, this is all we are. We're just going to have rabble, rabble, rabble people fight, you know, these, these faceless groups fighting with each other. That's all we are. So that's all we're going to show you. And like, meanwhile, mm-hmm. we're like, no, but we're tired of that. Mm-hmm. We're, we're yeah. tired of watching that. That's, that's the same story you keep telling. And like, if that's sort of the like reductive sort of lesson that you guys are trying to show that humanity is just fighting, I mean, we could have we could have stopped at the end of season five and just been done with it, right? And fine, like I get it. Like you know, that's you're fine. Not- if that's your worldview. Like that's fine. But I mean, I think it's not really. Um, I think it's overly simplistic. But yeah, if that's their worldview, but like we get it, it's not interesting anymore. So at least give us the characters that we love hopping through anomalies. Yeah, like I've been to <laughs> you the know? anomaly storyline. I am all in. Like weird people with like honeycomb masks and time dilation, Mystery. and like 
cool ass tattoos that count down and whatever the fuck like fine i'm all in like that's great i'm but like again watching the exact same sort of conflict isn't even the word i feel like conflict is too delicate for what is happening with these sort of angry crowds yeah conflict because conflict um presents two sides right so if you had the crowd if you had people in the public arguing and debating about what the right thing to do is right and taking sides that's conflict Mm -hmm. this is just uh, you know an angry faceless mob the two mobs who like disagree but like kind of not even on principle just like disagree based on it's it's like the Hatfields and the McCoys like they hate each other and can't really even remember what they hated about each other does that make sense mm-hmm. I mean I'm sure that they can remember because obviously like Russell is still alive so they can be like that motherfucker I hate that dude but you know what I mean like it's mm-hmm. just kind of like well cool so children of Gabriel you guys made it inside like ta-da now mm-hmm. what Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, do you guys have any other thoughts on the episode before we uh, get into our well actuallys? So I'll talk about shit shithead really quick. Um, so there was this like weird moment that I noticed in the first part of his scene where he's by himself. Mm-hmm. So he's like perusing the anomaly um, documents that he's put together over time, like that giant ass book. Um, and and when he closes it. He, like, kind of, like, reaches towards his eye. I remember and, that. Yeah, and then he kind of looks at his his hand and then his arm. And I was like, well, okay, you could, want to interpret this as him being like, well, I was Shitheta, and now I'm this, like, middle-aged man who's, like, kind of hot, you know? <laughs> um, but, like, he's been in that body for several days now, so it's not like him just suddenly realizing he has an eye and an arm and a hand. Um, and so I... I I felt like it was tied to, like, maybe the anomaly thing. So that was a moment that I thought could be interesting, depending on how things play out. It definitely left me, like, questioning. Um, So I guess we'll see if that meant anything. I don't know if anyone else noticed it and had thoughts, but... um, No, I definitely saw that. I didn't know what to make of it, and they just kind of dropped the ball on it. So maybe it was a hint for something later on. Uh, Maybe, yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll see. And then (laughs) the other thing is... um, so I guess we should sort of talk about the shithead of plot really quickly. Um, Do so, we have to? Well, no, no, no. I'm not going to. I'm not going to go into depth at all. I just wanted to say, like, he, it's it's interesting that he um, shithada found himself in the exact position to give him the kind of power he wants because he's ultimately the people who are left as sanctimites are like the kind of people who join cults, <laughs> you know. So he is, like, the perfect person to be a cult leader. And we see this in how easily, like, Jordan is manipulated by the girl because he hasn't met girls for 27 years. Um, and and they, they know exactly what strings to pull with him because, you know, Shithada, like, just knows how to use people because he is, like, a cult leader, basically. So that's I, – I did think that that part was interesting and how he'll use his people might be interesting in that aspect um i mean yeah it showed him to be ruthless and that his followers are really well that russell's followers are super or are so devoted they're willing to get beaten to death to like or die die yeah like to 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 further their cause at the same time though like you know that big (gasps) he planned the whole thing reveal like i should care but i don't because it's russell and while the actor is great i'm just 
I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. I, just, I, I more want to hear about how Bob and Eliza play game night with him. <laughs> I mean, really, he's really great. Like, it's yeah. a shame. Yeah. A I, would have rather, I would have rather had just watched, you know, add Russell to our assembled, like, crew of former enemies that now find themselves, right? Like, I, I, I don't understand why they took the Darth Sith Lord plot from last season and <sighs> concluded that that's something that should continue. It, I, I, I just, I hate it so much. I, it's, the whole Sanctum stuff and the shithead of stuff should have been the finale. And now we could do all the rest of the things we're doing now. Because we haven't even met the big bad <laughs> for this season yet. <laughs> or have right? we? Don't, I mean, maybe Shadehead is supposed to be the big bad for this season. But, no, like, but at who's the, same the guy in Bardo? Yeah, no, I don't think he is because something was said that, like, left people with the conclusion he wasn't, and I can't remember what it was. The Bardo guy or Shayhada? Shayhada, because he's, he doesn't know, I don't know what it is, something. I'm I'm sure that he's, like, the midpoint, right, like, crescendo, and then the rest will be in the anomaly. It's just so excruciating. I know. We're supposed to think he's the big bad. I think Jason literally said that in an interview, spoiling, you know. Hashtag spoiler. Um, but he's not, supposedly. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't fucking know. Um, <laughs> so, well, actually. Yeah, let's go to our well actuallys, and then I feel like given the amount of salt in this episode, we might have to do another compliment sandwich. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. If that's okay. So, um, yeah. Uh, well actuallys. Uh, Bubs? So, um, I said this before, the castle burned... In episode one, like epically burned. Um, Maybe it it was like Polis, where like the tower is about to fall down, but Lexa still has a sexy bed and like four thousand candles. Right? Like it's, but like the they didn't really clarify. Like when when they pan out after the fire, it It looks looks destroyed. It looks destroyed. Um, But clearly, in this episode. Amori and Murphy are still living there, and Raven is still able to access the room where they were about to fuck. Um, and they, she wanted to in, them to invite her into it, but they did not. So, anyways, um, I, I was like, wait, because because um, people, there is some asshole on Twitter who released all the information about what was going to happen in these episodes, and I didn't look at any of it, but like some of it came across my timeline, so I did see like. This conversation about the continuity error, and I didn't know what they were talking about until this episode. And I was like, oh, right. It did burn. And, like, this is another thing they could have, like, solved by being like, well, the back the back um, wing is still intact, but most of the castle's burned. Like, someone just ex- – like, they, they're clearly not afraid of exposition. Like, maybe add something in so we're not sitting there scratching our, our butts. But, like – um, they, yeah, it looks burned. And not only that, like, there's a scene in this episode where right before Raven goes to, um, get the, get the Allegis prisoners to join her let's not let Sanctum melt down team, um, they're talking about, like, how they feel that they were put near the castle just to, like, rub it in their faces because they wanted to take the castle and live there. And I'm like, you wouldn't say that if it was burned down. You know, you would, you'd be like, oh, those fuckers, castles burned down. Awesome. Um, because you didn't get to live in the castle, right? That's, that's what you would feel about like a place that you wanted to take over at first and didn't get to. But they don't say that. And not only that, but the, the framing of the screen completely cuts the, 
the castle off like at the bottom so you can't see the top where all the burned part is. So it's like they were trying to disguise the fact that it wasn't actually burned when they shot that scene or when they wrote that scene. Um, it, it To me, that's what it felt like. It's felt like I, I watched it four times and I still could be wrong because like it's it's not always possible to understand what the writers were going for. Um, but so like why? But like if it was if it was burnt down, why are they complaining about it being rubbed in their faces that their camp was placed near the castle? You know? Um, and so on top of that, I just like, it makes me feel that, did they, so they, they, we know that they shot these episodes out of order. So they shot, I think one, three, and then two. Um, but still, even if they shot it in that order. There's, it's somebody's job to know the state of things. There is a continuity person. Exactly. So unless it was edited weird, like who the fuck knows? Yeah. And on top of that, like the whole, like. The fact that no one has asked about Bellamy and all the weird, like, what I call Bear in the Big Blue House crossover with Clark and Gaia at, like, the tea house. Um, I, it's just, it doesn't feel like they were in the middle of a potential nuclear meltdown. Um, oh my god, no! Was that shot during, like, a different time and then, like, and then put the episode there? was repatched, like, Frankensteined? to be the third episode. So we have all these like weird things going on. Like maybe the, the, the castle being burned down was supposed to happen like next episode. But like, (laughs) so it it just, I, I, I can't help but think that like something weird is going on in terms of like how they're editing and cutting in the episodes where it's like, what's going on? Um, and so, I don't know if, if other if other viewers had that feeling, but I certainly was like very confused about the the pacing, the um the setting, the when did the castle burn? Is is part of it still usable? Um, what is going on? I I mean I have so many questions. Right. Yeah. I mean I think Selena Wilkins review that the guy and Clark scenes look like they yes. could have been inserted into like anywhere. Yeah. anywhere from another episode right and and the the like sad irony to clark being like i don't want to lose anybody else it's like dude you've lost fucking half your friends and you haven't even noticed you don't like, care, you don't care to ask about it like wh- why would you be worried about losing people if suddenly it seems like they don't matter to you <laughs> oh my god and it's like even if even if we're going to pretend that like bellamy et al said they'd be like a week so not to worry you know you you would think that like clark would still be worried about like the nuclear meltdown and like after she's not dealing with it she'd be checking in with them to be like hey guys are we dying today no like, it's time for no, a tea break should, should i go porch. hang out with maddie because like obviously if she thought that she was dying she'd probably go hang out with Maddie. um so that was weird and then the other thing that like i was trying to google this and i cannot find it but when she says to Guy, like, no matter what we do, people die. Isn't that something Bellamy said in season three? I think something to that effect. I think it said, no matter what I do, people die. People die or people get hurt, something like that. So I didn't understand the callback. But maybe it's not a callback. Maybe they forgot they said it. <laughs> I mean. Well, actually. Let me just, you know, Jim from the office stare into the camera on that one. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Cece, what, do you have any, uh, other thoughts or well actuallys? No, my well actually was that one crew had only had Maddie as their Hedda for, like, 
<laughs> actually two days. About it. <laughs> That's so <and> true. <laughs> That's fair. Um, I actually didn't really, I don't think I really had any that I didn't already mention. Um, mm-hmm. so maybe we can just do a quick little compliment sandwich because people did work very hard on this show mm-hmm. and like everyone's trying their best. Um, I haven't thought of mine yet. So somebody else should go first. Okay. I'll just like reiterate. I can feel that they're trying to do more character moments. And I think that that's great. I think it's something the show really needed. Um, I think that it really sings with the um, Amori Murphy and Raven stuff. And again, like what Tina said, slash Kapuschik, um, it's, a, it's, these are characters we followed, but these are characters we, we know, we love. We've seen a lot of their relationship develop on screen. Like even though they spent six years off screen, it didn't matter because we, we had seen the bond develop beforehand, you know, like Murphy shot Raven in the back and um, paralyzed her leg. Um, but they, they had a very clear moment where they moved beyond that. Um, and so it's, it's a relationship that is very rewarding in that sense. Um, and Amori, obviously, like when she met Murphy, Murphy was like the persona non grata on the show and together they kind of, they forged their own path and, and Murphy was very humanized by that. Um, and the other things they did with this character, but like, Amori was a big part of that. So those are characters that we love to see. We love to see where they are now. We love to see um, what the relationships mean to them. Um, so that that stuff works really well. And I, I appreciate that. Um, I, I think that a lot of these character moments, um, middle of my sandwich, come at the expense of, of the character moments that we are invested in. And they're trying to give us ones that you know, it's, it's the last season. I think it's about strengthening and not so much creating. (laughs) Um, so that's frustrating. Um, not considering the things that happened before also frustrating. Um, and then to the bun to my sandwich. Um, I think some of the acting was exceptional. I, I think, I mean, like, What's his face? J.R. Bourne is he's a great actor. He he makes the actors who act with him um better actors. And I, I think that all Shannon Cook was already already a great actor, but he just like obviously J.R. Bourne is an experienced actor who's been in the business for a long time and, it, and it's great to see him be able to um have a great scene with another actor. Um and yeah. Okay. Okay. Um do you want to go CC or do you want me to go first? Do you want me to say a sandwich or you just want a compliment? Um, it's, it's, I mean, it's totally up to you. You can either do compliment, non-compliment compliment, or you can just do a single compliment. It'll just, we'll just treat it like a, lo- a, a slice of bread. <laughs> um, like an open face sandwich. Yeah, minus, um, minus the filling. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I've been really negative, so, and I actually really don't enjoy being negative because I love TV and I love to yell about TV enthusiastically. So, um... I I genuinely enjoyed all the Murphy and Amore stuff. I love how, like, you know, like, they've been dating for hundreds of years, and they still got it, man. Like, they still want to go have sex, and it's great, and I applaud them. Um, and huh, um, I don't know where they're going with Murphy, but I, I enjoyed the scene when he was um, speaking with the dude from Allegis. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and, you know, I, I'm interested to see where that goes, because even though Murphy was more, you know, that's the scene where Murphy was more absorbing and you could kind of see because Richard Harmon's such a great actor, like the wheels turning as the man was talking about himself and his past deeds and how some things, you know, you, you don't forget and you can't make up. And I think that that, um, I'm, I'm interested to see where they take Murphy with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was an interesting moment. I, I think also, I forgot to say this before. Um, oh, I'm interrupting you. Do you want to finish no. a little? No, 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 I'm good. Oh, I just want to say, um, I think that that moment is actually forecasting Murphy sacrificing himself, whether for Amori, Raven, whoever. But I think it was like him seeing that, like, he feels that he's going to hell. He wants to live forever because he thinks that that's where he's headed. And so seeing Hatch set an example of, I mean, redemption, I guess, by being sacrificial and thinking about his loved ones above all else. I think that that's the path that Murphy will follow this year. He's, he's definitely on my death watch. Oh, totally. Yeah, me too. Totes, totes. Um, all right. I guess I'll, I'll do something. Um, yeah, I, I really liked the Raven barging in on Murphy and Amori. Um, mostly just because that I like that, you know, it was a total callback to her barging in on Monty and Harper. And um, I kind of, and I'm sort of sad that, like, we're not going to get a Bullarkin bed scene just so that Raven can barge in on them, too. <laughs> like, I kind of feel like that should just be Raven's shtick of just, like, yeah. like, just her barging in. And then, like, just once someone someone asks ask her to join, that'd be nice. Be, you know, Raven deserves it. Um, but no, that was that was nice. Like, it, it, it felt like those characters knew each other. And had been on the arc or on the ring together for so long. You know what I mean? Like it felt they were family to the point where Raven will just open a fucking door. Like she and she probably wouldn't have even cared if they had been mid doing it. Like she still would have been like, get dressed, we gotta go. You know, yep. like it it had that kind of feel to it. Yeah. Um I like that. Um my I guess this could have even been my well actually, but just kind of like I don't understand why. Murphy and Amori are still pretending to be the primes. Like I, I, I don't understand it. And yeah, I mean, but I guess that that's. I mean, that's. Well, just do you my see own. what happened with um, Gaia? <laughs> Wait, what? What happened when Gaia tried to tell people? Oh yeah, I mean, I guess it didn't go very well. But at the same time, this goes back to my "why the fuck are we even involved anyway?" Um, bit. Uh, so yeah, I guess I'm just kind of. Uh, yeah, my 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 thing is I'm I'm over this primes thing. I I don't care, um, and we're still here. And then another compliment would be, um, I mean, it's always going to be Indra. Like Indra's, I I don't necessarily like kind of some of the things that they've given her to do. Um, mm-hmm. that that they've given Adina like lines wise, like some stuff does feel a little bit out of character with Indra, but at the yeah. same time, like she sells it well enough that I'm like, well, I mean, okay, like I might find this a little bit out of character, but like, she's also super fucking stressed out. There are no more adults. Like everything's terrible. So like maybe she, you know, maybe this does track. Um, and Adina just does a great job of. It felt very Indra season two. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. When, you know, where... Then where we expect her growth to have taken her. Who, yeah. The Indra that we I saw mean, as the general to to Octavia, who, like, was very deft in her maneuvering of people who, like, were a little bit above her. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it, it, it it's there. It, you know, again, I think it's like they need her to do certain things or serve a certain role for the plot. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 there were a couple times where I was like, "Oof, that line!" Right? It's yeah. not. A, it's not a Dina Porter. She's yeah. wonderful, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. 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 Um, yeah, Dina Porter. That's 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 my yay. Um, and I mean, again, and I'll say this every time, the cast always does a great job. So like, mm-hmm. I th- it, it's hard to like be so, you know, negative and complainy about sort of the writing and the storyline when on the other hand, the cast is like, they're, they're, they're doing a great job all the time. Like, we were confused about the Gaia and Clark scenes and like, it was kind of clunky, but at the same time, like they both were doing well with them, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. Guys- it's it's a hundred percent a writing thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And confusing writing thing. Like I, this is, you guys always talk about the shadow seasons and stuff and I'm like, all right, kind of fun. This season feels like there is a whole mess that we are not aware of. Yeah. yeah. It's it's like looking at um <laughs> a piece of paper that got cut up and then scotch taped back together and there's like pieces missing. Yeah. You know, like you're just like what how did the paper get all ripped up? <laughs> because it just doesn't and, and you know, for it to be a final season and and it's in the state that it currently is in. It's just it's crazy. And yeah. it's sad. It's yeah. sad. Like we've been watching this show for this is a bajillion the years. Season. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Um, do you guys have anything else on the show before we recommend something for people to watch and or consume? I really wish my favorite character was on it, Bellamy Blake, well, but yeah. Um <laughs> well, <laughs> <than> that, no. <laughs> so <laughs> neat. Um, what are you guys watching or reading or consuming in other ways? Um, I just saw, so Amazon for this month, um, and I think there's another, another distributor too, is renting for free the movie Just Mercy, which is a true story about a lawyer working with um, people on death row. So I saw it the other day and it is, it's amazing. You know, it has Michael B. Jordan, um, Jamie Foxx, Brie Larson. Um, and it's just, I think I sob the entire way through, but it's just, it's so topical with everything that's going on. Um, and I think that everyone should watch it. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Um, Cece? Um, I just finished watching Peaky Blinders, um, which is on Netflix, originally BBC. And, um, while there were a few ups and downs with female characters, overall, it's just a really, um, stylish and compelling show. Um, with Killian Murphy, like his performance as Tommy Shelby is just one of those like all time great TV performances where you just have created like a really fascinating character um, and just like fantastic score and use of music and beautiful cinematography Um and lots of morally gray characters and kind of weaving in um, real history, um, including this last episode. I mean, last the final, the last season, I think there's two more seasons. Season five was kind of exploring the history of fascism in the UK. Um, yeah. <laughs> so um, it's just really um, 
both like thematically and production values and sort of the acting. Um, it's really, really fantastic. I, I kind of am like, why did I wait so long to watch it? So I would recommend that. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think what we've watched this week. Um, we've, we've caught up on the latest season of the good fight, which is always great, except it's kind of weird because they had to end early because of, you know, the quarantine life. So the last three episodes of the season didn't, didn't get made. Um, but we also, I'm just going to recommend Shira again. I, (laughs) you know, I've, I've been recommending it for the past few weeks. I'm still going to recommend it. Just, just fucking watch it every, you know, there's a lot of stress right now out in the world and, you know, important stress, but sometimes, you know, you, you, you can't keep your adrenals going for that long all the time, forever and ever. So like, if you need to just sit down and relax and just watch something where people are just nice to each other and learn lessons about friendship and love, um, it's a, it's a nice little cartoon. Um, yeah. also it's and if real pe- gay. and if people want i mean if people want to watch um a found family and seasons that take on different sci-fi genres but always um even while being incredibly creative in doing that from virtual reality to time travel to um dystopian space like uh, if this all sounds familiar, it's because it is. Um, but always staying firmly focused on character, then watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm. Um, and if you want a show that really nails a final season with a complex mythology where you will Which feel one incredi- are we talking about? Incredibly satisfied, then then go watch 12 Monkeys. And I'm. What's 12 Monkeys? <laughs> I think if you are get to the end of the hundred and feel as dissatisfied as I expect the fandom is going to feel, that might be a good remedy. <laughs> I, w- I would just like to put it out in the universe. Like I would, uh, I know that we've been like, you know, shitting on a lot of things, but like, I want to be proven wrong. I want them to fucking nail this ending. Like I would love nothing more than if these first few episodes were like weird and clunky because whatever behind the scenes stuff was happening and that it finds its groove and that like, yes, they nail the ending somehow. It's magical. It's great. It's good. Like, I I don't want listeners to think that like we are rooting for like failure or anything or that like we take great pleasure in in being disappointed. I think I I think quite the opposite. Yeah, like yeah. it's not it's not fun. It's not fun for like how long we've stuck with this show that like I want them to stick the landing. I want to come away going, "Wow, that was really like they did a good job." Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not on episode 84 of your podcast which you know at least two-thirds of which has been focused on the hundreds spending your weekends talking about this show and then the time that it takes to edit and all of that special thanks to shaheen for editing because otherwise we would not have a podcast yeah so true not make the effort because you're rooting it to fail i think what you're hearing maybe is just disappointment and not as of right now living up to its potential exactly well, i'm not i'm not i'm not mad i'm just i'm just disappointed, disappointed. Hmm. <laughs> I, it, I mean this show like to its credit so much has so has always had all the potential in the world um and i think that all we want is for them to like get it together and do what we know we think that they can do um so, yeah. I need you this is like this is where we need coach Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> Clear eyes, full hearts. It's halftime. Get your we're shit in the together. locker room and we're down, man. <laughs> Clear eyes, full hearts can't lose. We need you guys to just leave it all out in the field, please. <laughs> <laughs> 
thank you for ins- the inspirational, um, if slightly plagiarized, um, motivational speech, CC. Um, and thank you, Bubs, for joining, as always. Um, and pre-thank Shaheen for editing, because fuck that noise. I hate that shit. Um, thanks, guys. This was super fun. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess uh, maybe we geek again. See you guys next. We have an episode next week, right? Yes. Okay, I couldn't remember. Who never when the show ever goes on weird hiatuses. So um, I guess we will see you guys next week-ish. Yes. Um, yeah. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.